1: Hello and welcome to
2: the Guardian Football Weekly. Myself, Barry Glendinning, Filippo Clare and Jonathan Wilson sitting in a room in Glasgow the morning after the last night of the live tour. Today, Barry finally gets his wish and finds out where is going. How do Barcelona have any money? Chelsea start buying players. Koulibaly joins Sterling, while some of Tuchel's players don't join the US tour because they're not vaccinated. Blatter and Platini are free men. Are they the good guys? In case that wasn't enough for Philippe, there's some exciting new crypto partnerships for him to get stuck into. Manchester United beat Klopp's men in pre-season. What does that mean? All that. Jose running on the pitch in a friendly the best moment of Jonathan Wilson's life your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly on the panel today. Bonjour, ça va, Philippe O'Claire. Ça
0: va très bien, merci Max.
2: Ça va bien. Such a pleasure M- to be yes. in your company. It's again. so nice to be in the room with you, Philippe. Barry
3: Glendelling, hello. Hello, Max. Uh, Fraser said, did Barry have a full Scottish breakfast this morning? Uh, no, I didn't. I had two cups of coffee, some fruit and uh, Greek yogurt. Yeah,
2: I, seeing Philippe Auclair eat haggis was something I didn't expect. Jonathan Wilson, welcome.
4: Morning, how are you doing?
2: I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, I've heard you tell the same anecdote five times on stage within a month. And right. now you know how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so we uh, we did a Glasgow li- Live last night. Thank you so much everybody for coming. It was great. We're not totally across everything that happened in the women's Euros last night, but you can listen to, Oh, well, I saw the highlights of the Netherlands beating Portugal. They're like a great game. You can listen to the excellent Women's Football Weekly wherever you get your podcasts if you want to listen to that um, and on Monday we'll review all the weekend's games. But today is a um, mailbag, bit of transfer stuff.
0: A mailbag? Bag. Yeah, it, it, women's football and mailbag absolutely I mean well
2: he, the, the mailbag can be about any type of football of course uh, Philippe's grievances uh, part of the pod and uh, <laughs> it says here anecdotes from life hashtag on the road <laughs> God uh, let's start with some transfer news then we'll talk about the tour a bit later Sean says how can Barcelona keep buying players Rafinha's agreed to join Barcelona for 49 million pounds are you pleased Barry the Rafinha story appears to be over or did you want another two weeks of that
3: uh, until I see him Posing, doing keepy-uppies in the centre circle at Camp Nou. I will not believe it has happened. I, too, am slightly bewildered by the fact that Barcelona seem to be able to buy players while refusing to pay the players they already have uh, backdated wages. But um, uh, hopefully someone will have an explanation.
4: I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really understand this, but they have done a deal whereby they sell a quarter of all well, of TV rights over the next 25 years to get money up front, and also done a deal to sell 49.9% of BLM, which is the company that they set up to manage their marketing and licensing. So they're basically taking cash now to sell off future profits.
0: They're basically doing a leads, start mortgaging future revenue, and we all know how wonderfully that worked.
4: Yeah. So Peter Ridsdale
0: run Barcelona
2: now, is that what's (laughs) happened?
3: Um, I'm I'm aware of those deals, but... I still don't know how they can get away without paying Frankie De Jong seventeen million quid. They own after he agreed to defer his wages during the pandemic.
4: I presume they can. Yeah, you know, they they've reached. Yeah, you know, they need to reach a deal with him as to you know for a schedule of when that will be paid. But it it does seem pretty harsh on Frankie De Jong that he's given up seventeen million quid of the wages, and his reward for that is. Would you mind fucking off to Manchester United right
0: now? <laughs> how how good is Rafinha? Good question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't do. I don't really know. I'm, I'm talented, very talented, very skillful, capable of making the difference. A player can certainly produce a moment of um, quality which can change the, the course of a game. Whether he is, it belongs to the kind of stratosphere, and, and is a kind. Of, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if Barcelona <laughs> belongs in the stratosphere anyway. But
2: because um, you sort of feel they should, it doesn't really matter who they are; they they are there just by virtue of being. Well, he's them, better
4: than Martin Brathwaite. I think we can say that was right, some case okay. But I mean, would you agree that we? We're not we quite don't really sure know, how but, good but he is. I, I think. I, mean, if, I think if it was, um, say it was Chelsea signing him. Mm-hmm. I think you'd say, yeah, that makes sense as a signing, Because you know, he works in the Premier League. Very skillful, uh, very direct, good finisher, and is clearly incredibly physically fit. You know, he can handle whatever pressing you chuck out. You know, if you can handle Bielsa's pressing, you can handle anything. Yeah. And he was still running as hard at the end of the season as he had been at the beginning. So I think he's a play, yeah, we don't quite know, but all the signs are, are very, very promising and he's worth a fifty million quid punt on. Sorry, it went incredibly
2: quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it made quiet in my ears. Mm. did it? Yeah, so that, no, then. and in real life. In real life. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a devastating point. I'm very really sorry. <laughs> That's the end of Football Weekly. Who knew? We could end the entire pod on a sensible discussion about Rafinha. I presume you were talking about impressing or something. I was thinking of something else. Um, I, I saw. He can press. He can press. Ronaldo. But- Cannot oh, press. Okay, this is like, this is like um, if you have to learn English from a Jonathan Wilson Jonathan Wilson language tape. That would be it. Um, Rumours of Juan Mata joining Leeds. Um, and, I, I mean, presumably, you're, are you relegating Leeds this season? I saw Jamie O'Hara saying they'd bought a load of nobodies. I presume he'd done a lot of research on the players that Jesse Marsh had bought in
3: before he suggested that. Do you fear for Leeds um, not at the moment, but and I wouldn't concur that they've brought in a lot of nobodies. Considering I've heard of at least two of the players they've <laughs> oh, brought nice in. Just saying something. Um, I, I think it's far too early to relegate anyone. I, I have. I suspect the three teams, at least two of the three teams who came up, I expect them to struggle, and there will be teams who struggle early in the season. They will replace their managers and. Possibly improve. So, yeah, it's far too early to relegating anyone before a ball has even been kicked.
0: I mean, how serious is that Juan Mata's rumour? That that seems a little bit odd to well, me. He doesn't seem a natural
4: t- fit, does he? I mean, he, he
0: couldn't manage an hour in a United
4: team that didn't press. Mm-hmm. And Leeds do press. So, Juan Mata me. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it, it would make sense for the player because. You know, he's got a very nice house um, in the sort of the green belt around Manchester. Okay. It's not that far. You know, you can imagine almost like uh, commuting.
2: Have you been to the house? Yes. Oh, tell us about Juan Matter's
0: house. It's a very nice house, actually. Okay. My His house is a very nice house. <laughs> uh, it's actually a surprisingly unfootballer's That doesn't surprise me. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's very nice. It's, it's understated. understated work. Yeah, understated. Understated, understated okay. yes. Good. Quite, you know, quite elegant. Yeah. yeah. He's got a lovely dog. What sort of dog? Um, Rhodesian uh, Ridgeback. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. beautiful. <laughs> it's quite what a sensual noise about? you made <laughs> there, Barry! <laughs> I'm a big fan of your de-
2: legs like Vic Rees. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Rhodesian Ridgeback. Good um, dogs.
2: I interviewed one Matter once uh, about computer games because he was selling, I don't know, Call of Duty Nine. And I asked him, you know, you have to get into those questions saying, look, you know, what are you up to today, Juan, before we can talk about football? And he's going to say, well, I've been playing Call of Duty 9 and I really love shooting people or whatever. And he just said, oh, well, I've just been to London. I went to watch The Lion King last night. That's really marvelous. And we spent five minutes talking about. How much Juan Massa loves the Lion King. Oh. You can tell it's the summer, aren't <laughs> you, everybody? Yeah, Ryan
3: Sterling has signed for Chelsea. His goodbye message. Interestingly, yes. the Rhodesian Ridgeback my friend used to own was yeah. called Simba.
2: Really? Yeah. Well, that is interesting. Which is the character from the Lion King, yes, of thank course. You. Thank you. Um, uh, Ryan Sterling's goodbye message to Manchester City. Uh, seven seasons, 11 major trophies, a lifetime of memories, he says... Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a ride it's been, he says. Um, would you write this on your uh, leaving due to when you you know your leaving note, thank you note to the Guardian, Barry? Whenever you do that, I arrived in Manchester a twenty-year-old today. I leave as a man. Um,
3: when I leave the Guardian, I will slink out with no fanfare whatsoever. There will be no leaving party, no notes. Uh, no grandiose announcements. I'll just scur- scuttle out the back door.
4: I mean, you basically mean they'll they'll just stop emailing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you go in the office. It's just sort of, they'll stop contacting Brixton.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, where does, where I've, 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 you two have chatted about uh, Sterling quite a bit. I haven't heard your thoughts on, on, on sort of where he ranks, you know, because I, just, oh, I sort of feel he's... I don't know who cares if he's underrated or rated, but I feel he's slightly underrated, Raheem Sterling.
0: Not by everybody, okay. not in every context. I think probably more rated in his role as an England player of late because, I mean, the first, you know, 20 games or so were not that easy for him. But I think now being recognised as being one of the pillars of the team are very important to Southgate. It's part of the problem of being a Manchester City player because there's something you could say about many others mm-hmm. in, that, in that team. You could say the same thing about Riyad Mahrez. You could say the same thing about Bernardo Silva, even if people have been you know, waxing lyrical and so forth from time to time. So, but I must say I'm a little bit puzzled by this move. If you're thinking, well, I'm puzzled by loads of things which are happening at Chelsea at the moment anyway, but you're thinking, OK, we want to sign a player who is going to enable us to go a little bit further than, than we did uh, in title challenge and so forth. Do you think Would Raheem Sterling be the player you would think of as the player who can take you to that next level? Does he offer much more than a good Hakim Ziyech, for example? Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah? Yeah, I don't think Ziyech is all that at all. I think he's far too inconsistent. I I agree with you. that I don't think Sterling is absolutely the very highest quality. I think he's one rung below that. But I think if you look at what Chelsea have got, Ziyech, I think, is far too inconsistent. Pulisic gets injured all the time and can only run in straight lines. Werner can't finish. Yeah, Sterling's better than any of the three of them, so it's an upgrade in that sense. Okay. It's not that exciting because we know what he can do, but what he can do is sort of. So what? So Twenty-five you're saying, goal it, involvements it, a season. If, if,
2: if he'd done that in the Bundesliga and he was
4: coming to, the be more exa- league, Well, be more maybe exciting. not age twenty-seven, right? But if yeah, if he was doing, if he was, if he'd done what he's done and he was sort of two or three years younger, and we weren't watching him every week and we hadn't sort of. You think of Ryan Sterling. Unfortunately, for, for it's not really. It is sort of his fault. But what you think of, or what I think of, is him dithering over a good chance against Croatia in the World Cup semi-final. It's him blazing that chance over the bar against Lyon,
0: rather than him banging in goals season in season out, Yeah, from you, you sort of you
4: sort of think. Well, of course you score goals at City. Anybody would, which which probably isn't entirely fair. But I, I think it's you know, familiarity. You you, you see. The flaws, and so you just don't have that level of excitement that you would do with a with a player coming in who you didn't know as well.
0: Yeah, it's not familiar to Breed's contempt; it's rather Breed's indifference, really. Yeah.
4: What do you mean Pulisic only runs in straight lines?
0: Well, um, right, well, you know a straight line. Yeah.
4: And you know running. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know Pulisic. Yeah, I know all the things. Great, put them together. <laughs> uh, no, I think he's just a, a pretty predictable... I think his so movement is like Jason Wilcox type. Without the crossing, actually, yeah. Wow. I God. mean he's got he's better at other things than than Jason Wilcox. Um yeah, I just think he's a fairly predictable Yeah. there's there's no sort of mystique or imagination about him. And that might be that he hasn't really ever had a long run on the team without without getting injured. And it might be with more confidence he becomes a bit more exciting. But he's you know, he's very good at, at Unimaginative things. I, I just, I, I never get a sense that <laughs> everyone's looking
2: around the room. Going, who else does that describe? Um, <laughs> uh, is, they, Chelsea also bought um, Kulibali, uh, and they're looking for Nathan Ake. Okay. Is, is Koulibaly a good signing? Four-year deal, thirty-four million pounds. Is this a good? Is this a good idea? Well, Barry? he's
3: he's one of those players who's been linked with a move to the Premier League forever, and it looked like it was never ever going to happen. Now he he will arrive. But well, it looks like, is it, is it a done, done deal? Um, but anyway, so it looks like he's going to arrive and, and we'll see, I suppose. I, I've i always been impressed with him. He looks the part, but I would be more concerned about their apparent desire to bring. Um,
4: Personal Kimpembe?
3: That's the very man. Yes, Kimpele. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because. <laughs> 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 just, just say it right again. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He went, yeah, that's the guy.
2: And then he said Dembele. No, I, sorry. President Kimbe. <laughs> oh,
3: shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh, God, it's been a long day. Yeah. <laughs>
4: it's only 10.09. <laughs> and you didn't turn up at breakfast till after eight, so. Kim? Kim Femin. Kim Bae. Kimbe. It's page two of Wilson's <laughs> language guide. I press, you press, Kim Pembe presses. Kim Pembe.
3: I, I'm not a fan of his work and I can't remember his name. or say his name. Well, I've the same problem Chris with Tadej no, um, of course, yes. Tadej Pagacher, yes, the cyclist. cyclist. I just I I am incapable of saying his name correctly and I, it, it there's no reason why that should be. I'm a sentient human. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Here's <laughs> um here uh, is the question:
2: How how highly rated is your man? <laughs>
0: Personal Kimpenbe, for me, is a, it's an enigma because he really is a player who, you know, some some of those play- one of those players who uh, have um, a big mistake in them uh, at every game, and he manages. Is he to Tyrone go- Mings? The Tyrone Mings. I France. think Tyrone Mings is a better defender than yeah. Personal Kimpenbe. He's honestly. one of those players
4: who you know. I, mean, I don't don't watch much French football, but every time PSG are in the Champions League, you look at their lineup and it's OK. There's eight players who I know exactly what they do and they don't really fit together. There's two or three kids they've brought through who I don't know who they are. And then there's Kim Pember who I know is not very good and I know he'll make a mistake. So that that game when United... Basically, the job had got Solskjaer the job at United... Like, who else would it be who would commit that handball in the last minute? It was always going to be Kimpembe. Yes. He's a man to whom unfortunate things happen, which is partly, he just seems unlucky, but also he's just not quite good enough.
0: And it also happens to him in Ligue 1 too. It's not just in the big games the Champions League, even if it's a game against, you know, I don't know, I was going to say Bordeaux, but Bordeaux are now heading for the seventh division or something. Um, it's, um, yeah, it, it happens to him all the time. I, it's a bit of a mystery to me.
2: Would you say Kimpembe... Is Kimpembe, is Kimpembe? Well, not I wouldn't quite go that far. Right, okay. I think that would be a right. bit harsh. Okay,
4: fair enough. But right. on uh, Koulibaly, uh, it just seems a lot of money for a 31-year-old. I don't understand why he has stayed at Napoli for so long. The, I, I get why Chelsea want a player who is you know, pretty much at his peak now because obviously you've got Thiago Silva who's 37 and you, you know, at any point you feel he could break down. They've got a couple of promising kids coming through. So you want somebody who's right at his best right now. And I can see why you know, it makes sense to bring in somebody who's at, at, at national level plays with Mundi. So you know, their relationship is very strong and you know, we know they work well together.
0: But it just seems a lot for a 31-year-old. Do you think there's, a, there's an idea of a kind of like-for-like for, like for Antonio Rüdiger as well? Maybe, maybe. That he, I, mean, I think He's, he's not better, dissimilar. I think he's better than Rüdiger. But a bit he's older, so... Mm. Uh, while we're on Chelsea,
2: Angolo uh, Kante and Ruben Loftus-Cheek didn't travel on Chelsea's pre-season tour of the United States due to their COVID vaccination status, Chelsea said in a statement. Golo Kante and Ruben Loftus-Cheek will not travel due to their COVID vaccination status. <laughs> it's unclear if either player has yet to be vaccinated or had only one dose so far coming around I just haven't had the email yet for my second dose here Um, uh, US strict entry rules prevent anyone from entering the country unless fully vaccinated Uh, Telegraph reported that clubs remain fearful of a spike in COVID infections Uh, vaccinations in the French and Italian leagues were made compulsory for players in particular those who are already playing there and had yet to receive the vaccine
0: by Um, the way something that hasn't been talked about uh, in the lead up to the new season is that um, looking you know I don't know exactly what the situation is going to be like when you see what's happening in the Tour de France Mm. at the moment where obviously you know I mean uh, Pogacar you know today Pogacar's team has been hit quite badly um, by the the virus and um, he's already lost two teammates for the Tour so you're wondering well this is bound to happen in football as well
2: it is. That's interesting, isn't it? Because does the Premier League have a rule then? Because now the government guidelines, as far as I understand it, say that you know if you have COVID, you should try and stay at home if you can. If but it's not can, a legal yeah. requirement, and you know presumably a footballer could say, I, I can't because I have to go to work.
0: COVID protocols are still in place for the Premier League. Well, I, I don't know if, and
4: you see, but certainly at the end of last season, they still had the red zone and everything, where you know non non essential personnel were not allowed to go. So. But there's an interesting but there's an interesting article I
2: think by Sam Wallace in the Telegraph about the number of footballers not getting vaccinations.
0: Yeah and actually it's all, in, in, in,
2: England, in, England, in England. And, and yeah. actually it's also a, a and about, you know, their sort of their sell on value. And actually if you go down the leagues as well, you know, that players in League One and League Two who who haven't got necessarily or perhaps have only had one dose. It's quite interesting that, that
0: it It might actually be an obstacle if one of those players was actually involved in a transfer, that the club might say, tell terribly sorry be taking you in if you don't have the vaccine sorry yeah and also which in the case of N'Golo Conte, by the way is something which is uh, worth thinking about because we all know that you know there are loads of rumors about him leaving the club yeah and and we were talking about this
2: yesterday I think Wilson about it, it kind of shows there are clubs where everyone has had the vaccine and there are clubs where not everyone's had the vaccine and it, and it it almost shows who runs that dressing room in a yeah. way where sort of Jürgen Klopp
4: Yeah, Yeah, Klopp and Henderson are obviously very pro-vaccine, and and Liverpool appear to be pretty much 100% vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, All right, that'll do for part one. Part two, um, Philippe's bit.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. So they're not just comfortable and stylish; they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at Borough.com/acast. That's 15% off at Borough.com/acast.
2: Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Dulwich says, um, what will you talk about after the break? Now there are no live shows to promote. A- <laughs> talk about the merchandise. Go to guardianbookshop.com slash football weekly to get a mug uh, of me slapping a stool or a mug of Barry holding up a trainer that is steaming. Correct. Yes. Or or a half and half scarf. Or a half and half scarf, but yeah. Or a t-shirt? Yeah, or a t-shirt designed by David Squires. The mug's designed by David Squires as well. And uh, they're very good, aren't they? And then we're hoping to branch out to tea towels and prints. Uh, they're, they're the next step. And then, you know, advise us on what we should make. A T-shirt that says "Rabio is Rabio is Rabio." A lot of people have asked for that. Now, Philippe, Sepp Blatter and Michelle Platini have been acquitted. Yes. Um, Colin says, just an hour for Philippe to explain what happened in Switzerland. Jesus wept. Dell says, 20 minutes minimum of Philippe discussing the Blatter-Platini verdict, please. Uh, Brian, does Philippe owe Set Blatter and Platini an apology? Now they're innocent. Uh, Joel, how long did it take Philippe, OK, to stop swearing after the Swiss court acquitted Blatter and Platini? Uh, Jamie, for the sake of Philippe's mental health, can we not... Not mentioned Sepp Blatter and co. So the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, has insisted he is, quote, clean with my conscience and clean in my spirit after being cleared of defrauding football's governing body by a Swiss court. I'm not speaking about FIFA. I'm not speaking about corruption. I'm speaking about me. It sounds sort of like blame it on the boogie. It doesn't. It's a bad yeah, version. He said the also, FIFA version of blame it on the boogie. I've done nothing wrong. I'm clean with my conscience. I'm clean with my spirit.
0: Yeah. And he also said, I am a marked man. I have the feeling I've had a yellow card in my hands for seven years with the MPC, which is the Swiss prosecution Mm -hmm. system who um, sued me and so forth. So I think the Swiss have been so blatantly incompetent in, in that business that they've decided we don't want to talk, we don't want to have anything to do with FIFA any longer. And it's not, some people will say it's a case of collusion because Blatter knows everybody in Switzerland, which is true, the fact he knows everybody. But it's more a a proof of the complete incompetence of um, that legal system. And apparently it's absolutely fine in Switzerland to uh, invoice for a job um, something like uh, nine years after you've finished the job and that invoice is for three times the amount of money that you were paid at the time. That's absolutely cool. And uh, there's no contract, but that's fine because it's Michel and Sepp, men of great integrity, and uh, they obviously took their word for that, that there was something like an oral contract that Michel Platini remembered just a few months before he was supposed to stand against Sepp Blatter in the FIFA presidency, and he didn't in the end.
2: Michel Platini described his joy after his acquittal, saying the allegations had turned him from a legend to a devil. Yeah.
0: <laughs> not not just that, though, is it? No. I mean, the thing is that even if, say... Platini and Blatter did have some kind of uh, oral agreement um, which is not completely impossible. The fact remains that Michel Platini has been a disastrous administrator. Michel Platini is responsible for the complete and utter shambles that has been financial fair play and the non-implementation of it. Michel Platini is the reason why we have a World Cup in Qatar. If Michel Platini doesn't decide in November 2010 to go for Qatar and to to remove his support for the United States, and then goes back to his UEFA colleagues and says, "Well, we should back Qatar. We wouldn't have a World Cup in Doha." So that's what that's what he's done. He's also the man who's been re-elected at the presidency of FIFA without a new position. Uh, but on the other hand, it opens a, a can of a can of worms because if the Swiss justice system has decided that they were innocent of wrongdoing, the thing for which they were banned by FIFA surely she doesn't stand. And both of them have had their careers in football completely stopped by that. So he can go back either to a civil court or actually I think he could also go back. Um, I mean, he's already suing Infantino in, in Paris. Uh, and we can say that because that's on the record, producer Joel, uh, because basically he's saying that Infantino was the guy who put all the wheels in motion for what has happened to, to him and to right? Blatter. Right? right? Um, but... There's nothing that would prevent him from, say, deciding, OK, I, I want to be a candidate for the 2023 FIFA presidential elections, which would be absolutely amazing. So you'd have Platini versus Infantino. Yeah, yeah. I mean, would we I, put I, on I don't ticket as well, well just to have three of them. It, it, it was, oh, no, Sepp is, is out of it. And he's, yeah. he's genuinely frail. He's 86 now okay. and he's genuinely frail. He had a really big scare uh, last winter. And uh, there's no way he's going to do that. It's not one of those cases like uh, people who suddenly um, uh, are diagnosed with, you know, dementia when they're about to be sentenced. And next thing you know, after they've been acquitted, they're on the slope in Majev or whatever, having great fun. Um, But in the case of Platini, it's, yeah, certainly completely killed his career. And so he he can't come back. And I don't think he will ever get close to even, you know, be a proper official candidate. But I think that it's worth. Um, if it was well, worth his while, he's he's a very vindictive man, so he will he will have his day in the sun. If, believe
2: um, me, if it
0: was Platini versus Infantino,
2: yeah. Uh, which side of that culture war should the good guys that we all are I think it should support? be a duel to the death. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, it says in red here, read this from The Guardian. Uh, um, both men maintained they'd struck a verbal gentleman's agreement for Platini to be paid backdated additional salary for advising Blatter between 1998 to 2002, which Platini had not received at the time because of FIFA's perilous finances. The senior judge...
0: That, no, 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 that is complete bollocks. Because, well, okay. No, 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 that is complete bollocks. <laughs> because that was true at the time. No, because that's one thing. Uh, the, the fact that there had been some kind of agreement between the two was something that was talked about and actually um, it was mentioned yeah. in an internal note at UEFA at the time. So there's a ground there. But the idea that FIFA was not in a financial situation to pay him a few years afterwards, and I had to wait until 2011 to do that, is absolute bollocks. At the time in 2002, perhaps they had some financial problems, but no, three years later, they were in the black. They had tons, shitloads of money right. they could have paid in. That's bollocks.
2: I love the way you say bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> The senior judge, Josephine Contu
0: albrizio
2: said it was credible that there could have been a verbal agreement between Blatter and Platini. The judge also accepted that it was reasonable for the Frenchman to see his market value at 1 million Swiss francs a year, given his status in the game, far more than his annual salary of 300,000 as a consultant at FIFA between 1998 and 2002. FIFA has said it will await the full reasoned judgment before commenting
0: further. Do you want to do Manchester City's recent sponsorship dealings? I'd just like to mention them It's a, it's a, because they're quite interesting. The, the last one is one with the um, a, a crypto uh, assets exchange, uh, which is called uh, OKX, right. uh, which is based in the Seychelles, uh, which has run into some trouble when they were op- operating from Malta before that. Uh, but I think that the, the more interesting one is the their first ever, I believe... Might be wrong, but first ever partnership with an Asian uh, betting website, uh, which is called Eight X Bet, which is a wet- betting website that absolutely nobody had heard of um, in our on our shores ever, apart from Teddy Sheringham, uh, because he's an official brand ambassador for. That. Oh, good old Teddy! Yeah, good old Teddy! And um, they've it's decided... so
2: surprising that he'd heard of them first, because the first sort of ten yards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's an absolutely amazing video of Teddy Sheringham. Um, uh, the, this presentation of Teddy Sheringham as the official brand ambassador of ATEXBet. It is on YouTube. It's only had like 300 views so far, but I think it might have a few more when people listen to this, because it is absolutely excruciating. It's really quite funny. Um, you, you should have a look at it. He arrives in a Rolls Royce. Um, it's in Southwark. And he arrives in a Rolls Royce, and the uh, registration plate, and it's quite obvious, it's something that's been done, you know, with a felt tip pan, Is 8x Bet? I so cringe. It's unbelievable. But anyway, so they've decided to go for those guys. Uh, Man City previously had a betting uh, partner called Marathon Bet. You might remember the, the name appeared in the at the Etihad was, you know, almost everywhere. And they, I think, quietly pushed that away because Marathon Bet is a company. Uh, which is basically active in Russia, mostly in, in the CIS. So I think they decided, no, that won't do, which is fine. And then they decided to go for these guys. Now, how they went for, this, they go, went for these guys is, is beyond my comprehension. First of all, linking with one of those Asian-facing uh, gambling operators is, to say the least, dodgy, because we know or we should all know that the, these betting operators operate in countries where betting and gambling is illegal and actually criminal. So I think there's a problem there. I don't, maybe Manchester City are not aware of the situation. So if they want, if you guys, Manchester City, who don't answer my emails, by the way, uh, if you want to know anything about those guys, just give me a call. You know, I'll be very, I'll be happy to oblige. Um, And also it's quite interesting. We tried to find out with Josimar uh, who were behind uh, 8xbet, which is very difficult to find out. But we found one, uh, i got to find her name, one person who was posing as the CEO. We found that, for example, so they were not founded when they said they were founded. I mean, loads of things like that. Here, steady. O oh, Trin Thu Trang. CEO and founder of Atexbet, whom we found in LinkedIn, LinkedIn, which is a great resource. But when we did a picture in Verde, you know, like one of those uh, picture research thing, we found out that the picture of this uh, twin two trang was actually uh, the photo of a model which has been used uh, by an American company to sell picture frames. Mm. So you think, okay, due diligence perhaps? I mean, it might be that they've been in touch with people who are not... Trin to Trang, and who genuinely represent 8x Bet. I don't know. But to be honest, that at this point in time where there's such focus on, on betting and the evils of gambling addiction and so forth, people demonstrating, you know, going from ground to ground. Yeah, the big step guys we've changed. Big step guys, absolutely. Yeah. And really saying, you know, no more gambling ads, no more gambling ads. Uh, and it shouldn't just be for the people here. It should also We should also think about the people elsewhere. So I think it's something that we just have to, to accept that there is money that we shouldn't be touching. And I think this money should be kept well away from football. And good luck with uh, the lawyers with this one. I think part two could end up being quite short. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just, did, you, did you try and... You say you tried to get in touch with Manchester City. Yeah, so no, like, to be honest. You obviously At this point in the pod, I would say... Manchester City said, blah, 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 and it's all fine. I mean, do we have that? Did you get that thing? No, when no, we right?
0: haven't got it. The, the problem is that when, when I started doing these investigations into Asian-facing uh, gambling syndicates, we actually wrote, that was back in uh, July 2021, we wrote to every single Premier League club which had a relationship with one of those uh, Asian-facing betting operators. Only one club responded to our inquiries, and it was Wolves. Only one. Yeah. To say that basically they didn't comment about commercial, you know, relationships and so forth, which, you know, okay, fine. Nobody else did. And we've been in touch. We've tried to talk to the Premier League. We've tried talking to the UK Gambling Commission. It's something that nobody wants to talk about. It's worth a shitload of money to English football about by my estimation, about £120 million a year, this kind of um, betting uh, uh, relationship. So, but it means that people are doing... I mean, we've seen, you know, like Everton with I8Bet, we've seen um, Chelsea with Leu.com, Julie D'Orso of The Athletic did a fantastic piece about them and again showing that their executives didn't actually exist. So it's all through a world of agents, intermediaries, um, commercial, yeah, agents, and you never know with whom you're dealing at the uh, at the end. And there's so much pressure on clubs to get money, any money, especially on the ten, you know mm-hmm. at the back of a of, of the pandemic. They say, okay, we're going to get four million for that, for just allowing these people to put the uh, the face of Such a player, such a a player on our website. So it's easy to say, you know, the commercial department to put pressure on the due diligence guys who say, okay, well, just tick the box. Okay. And if you're interested for more details, by the way, and if you would like to know what I was saying and which has been cut out, uh, go to yosemarfootball.com where you can see a, a whole string of investigations into that shady world.
2: I regret buying a job lot of picture frames from uh, Tring through Trang. Now it's a, a mistake <laughs> of mine. Um, all right, no, that'll do for part two. Part three will probably do some slightly easier things to understand.
1: Uh,
2: welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Ricky says, uh, now that Man United have beaten the mob down the road 4-0 in Bangkok, by how many points will we win the league by? It's a <laughs> massive victory for Manchester United, Barry. Fred scoring a beautiful chip from the outside of the box with his right that, foot. Man. Yeah, so Eric Ten Hag's got them playing.
3: Uh, well, winning a game like that is better than not winning. I would read nothing into it really. Um, it was a bit of a sorry spectacle really, uh, half full ground because tickets were preposterously expensive but um, Manchester United fans have every right to be pleased. I suppose winning become get, get off to a winning start under Ten Hag but let's not kid ourselves that there's much to be read into the, the performance or the result. And I haven't seen hysterical Liverpool fans calling for Klopp's head on Twitter because he's they lost a friendly against Manchester United. But that, did that happen? I don't think so. But you know.
2: It, it what I saw into that was that you predicted Liverpool would struggle this season and already they're struggling so you know well they've lost two in a row now haven't they Champions League final than that absolutely right at some point you've got to start asking questions (laughs) haven't you Um, are they both in Australia now Um, certainly I saw Manchester United landing and some Australians just sort of yelling at them as they got on the bus, just going, Sancho! And then, every you know, the, the Man United players coming on with progressively larger headphones <laughs> to sort of block out the noise and get into the hotel. Um, Luke says, with Ten Hag giving the captaincy to Harry Maguire, but United hunting for a new centre-back, will we have our club captain being a bench player, Wilson?
4: It's possible, but I mean, I think... I don't think Maguire's as bad as he's appeared recently. I think also, I think he's not as bad as people made him out to be. I think... You know, when teams are, are you know playing poorly it's very easy to isolate one one player and say he's the problem and to scapegoat him and I think Maguire didn't have a good season last season I think there was you know, a lot of uh, internal stuff with, with the wrangling with Cristiano Ronaldo over the captaincy didn't help um, I I mean I, th- I think Maguire is a perfectly serviceable good player in a system that works I think often he was left isolated and he's not really to blame I don't think the captaincy is that important either. I think, yeah, you, you, your, your club captain doesn't have to play every week. I mean, really need 11 captains on the pitch. At, least, at so. least 11, yeah. yeah. So what
0: happens know. if they do get Lisandro Martinez, whom you would imagine is going to go straight into the team, right? Well, it's useful to have
4: competition and it gives them the option to play them three yeah, But the, the back, competition
0: is, yeah. would be Harry Maguire and Rafael Varane, who is probably not the Vahan of yesteryear, um, but still that's... The big player to leave on the bench. We
4: can count. Good teams leave big players on the bench every week. Okay feels a bit different for Manchester United. I don't know why. Well, not a good team, are they? That's the issue. Isn't
0: it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe, uh, Richard, as I mentioned, for Linfield's absolute screamer in the 94th minute of their Champions League qualifier. 36-year-old captain Jamie Mulgrew controlled the ball that sort of bounced out from a corner and absolutely walloped it into the top corner to take their game into extra time. They then won it so they're into the next stage of the Champions League so that is good for Linfield. Um, uh, Craig says, now that Mourinho has run onto the pitch demanding some red cards and a friendly, has the football season officially started? Started. Uh, this was in a obviously a game between Roma
4: and Sunderland in where was it? Albafera. In oh. Albaferra, of course it was. What happened? Oh, uh, Luke 09, who everybody seems to think is lovely because he's got an angelic face and, and was com- really nice. Came across really well in the documentary, yeah. but has, has an element of a shithouse about him. He, he was accused of elbowing somebody and. and Mourinho got very excited at that
2: Alex Neal, the son of the boss said Luke was unfortunate he went up for a header and caught the lad with his arm which I didn't think was meant I thought it was a bit of an overreaction but the referee informed me that if we didn't take him off he would be sent off oh good way school rules mm. for uh, for that friendly Matt says which of your personal belongings would be ruined the most by a Jorginho signature uh, this refers to this brilliant story from a bloke called Justin who is a Chelsea fan out in the States said uh, yesterday I attempted to get Christian Pulisic to sign his USA and Dortmund and kits at Chelsea training. He didn't. Instead, Jorginho shockingly walked up and immediately signed both without asking. I have no idea why. Nobody else did. My jersey's are now ruined, and I'm very disappointed.
4: <laughs> I presume that they're just they're worried about Pulisic because he can only write in straight lines. <laughs> that's that's right. Really right.
2: And these, these signatures are actually quite angled from Jorginho, but the video was very funny. Of just sort of one Chelsea sort of PR guy just marching Jorginho over, and Jorginho just walks up and just signs these shirts, and the bloke's just like... I think he was filming it. I mean, at some point he could have. Just, it's quite awkward to say. Could you not do
3: that, please? He could have just pulled it away. I think he's angling for a, a free Pulisic shirt or a, something, Possible. you know, a present from Pulisic. Well, I mean, you somebody
2: after one of the live shows in Hackney waited around for Jonathan Wilson, but Wilson was in a different pub, so he had one of Wilson's books and you signed it.
3: Well, he asked me to sign it.
2: He
4: they didn't, I, decide, I didn't did just
3: he? walk up with a, yeah, yeah, a yeah, sharpie.
4: <laughs> By like nine separate bullet points of abuse. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and thereby making it the most interesting page of the book, <laughs> where previously it had been blank. Um, Well, I did see one of the comments was, you know, if you're standing there and and Giorgino's around, you can't expect him not to take the pen. Very good.
2: (laughs) He didn't. Normally, you'd have time because Georgina would do a little hop and stutter and you could pull the shirt away, but he didn't. He ran straight up for this one.
3: But it's a very first world problem to have, oh, my Chelsea shirt's ruined because it's been signed by one of their midfielders. Yeah.
2: It is a Chelsea player, it's close enough. And the Dortmund one is, I suppose, Do- Jorginho signing a Dortmund shirt is odd, isn't it? It tangentially reminds they should, me.
3: They should just get him a, shirt, a Georgina shirt signed by Christian Pulisic. Yeah, and that, that yeah absolutely right. Tangentially
2: reminds me of when my dad, and I've told you this story a million times. Uh, went didn't have a ticket for Cambridge Crystal Palace in the FA Cup quarterfinal in 1990 so just rang the club and said look I'm a big fan I don't have a ticket and they went oh well yeah just come to the ground and they, they put him in the press box and he was sat next to Trevor Brooking. but my dad found football matches quite boring so he'd always take a book and he was reading Plato's Republic so I have I have a copy of Plato's Republic and you open the front cover it says dear Max all the best Trevor Brookings <laughs> um, here we go then. Uh, a few, you know, there's a. Uh, uh, oh, Jack says, "What's a great summer read? Preferably not football related." Uh, anyone reading a good book at the moment?
4: Well, my my novel Streltsov hasn't got that much football in it. Oh, come on!
0: It's very good. It is it? literally
4: football related, isn't it? It's about football. Does yes. That make it so...
0: I'm currently. I mean, I think summer lends itself to the reading of short stories, and uh, I'm reading and in part rereading mural sparks um shorts collected short stories um which is absolutely wonderful extraordinarily funny yeah better than jack,
2: better than a jack reacher novel would you say
4: yeah
0: perhaps okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i think it's the it's best
4: it's the best thing i've read recently is roman weidenfeller's uh, novel about the meeting of joseph root and stefan Zweig in ostend in 1936 uh, of which the German title is Austen 1936, and I can't remember what the English title is. It's something The English title is very boring. Okay, um, as opposed to that
3: fascinating title. was
4: well, memorable, at least. Oh, true, yeah. Okay. Um, I
3: like reading A Good Murder, and uh, I've been reading the thrillers of the Australian novelist Jane Harper. Uh, I think the first one in the series is The Dry. Oh, the
2: Dry is a very good book. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed yeah, that. I recommend that one. Can we, we don't normally criticise other podcasts, but Shame on Newscast, uh, which is a very good podcast, actually, for making Barry Davis do commentary of the Tory leadership candidates. It wasn't fair. It's not fair on Barry Davis. He's too much of an institution to have been asked to do that. He's too polite to say no. Those horrible names shouldn't have been allowed to pass through his glories. Keep their
3: fucking names. (laughs) Or keep their names out of his fucking mouth. (laughs) Absolutely
2: right. Shame on them. It just hurt. It hurt to hear Barry Davis utter the words Penny Mordant or whatever.
3: Uh, To be clear, Max. Yeah, I said it. To be clear, Max, you say we don't normally criticise other podcasts. We don't normally criticise other podcasts on air.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's very true.
3: Here we go then, Mackie. Uh, this is the end of the pod.
2: We've got 45 minutes till the train. Probably enough time. Mackie says, can Jonathan Wilson talk us through his century please? You did score the first century of your career and when you first tweeted it, I thought oh God, he's going to go on about this forever. And then I rethought, actually you must have been so delighted yeah. and, and sort of I am actually quite proud of you.
1: <laughs>
4: well, in fact, it was on my forty-sixth birthday as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, something you've yeah been trying to do all your life, and assumed was I got a sixty last year against a bowling attack that wasn't causing me any problems, and got myself out stupidly, and I thought that was it because you know, also the game situation could be set up to you to do it. We were chasing uh, one nine seven to win in yeah. forty overs, and um... getting quite emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That
1: was
2: quite sweet.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to press you now. <laughs> A lot of sweeps. <laughs> A lot of sweeps. So, and and
4: non- balls. 24, 20, 20, 20, 20, 21 boundaries.
0: 21 boundaries.
4: So the other thing was I brought up the 50 and 37 balls in the century and. <laughs> 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 it was really tiny let, 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 lake. <laughs> The guys Sorry. having it. The guys <laughs> like
2: emotional about this, Barry. <laughs> uh, you, you, what, you would be... which
4: obviously 3773 are very yeah. important numbers to Sunderland. Fan. Yeah. So there was one edge for four. There were two late cuts for four. One genuine cut straight drive uh, a little flick to mid wicket and the rest were all sweeps and balls
2: and the moment like when you hit the
4: was weirdly anticlimactic because I'd been dropped behind off the previous ball I was dropped on 96 by the wicket keeper (sighs) oh my goodness and then thankfully that keeper could have done us a massive fucking
3: (laughs) 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 thing we
2: wouldn't have a middle aged man blubbering in a
4: small room in Glasgow now if that hadn't happened and then um, thankfully the, the off spinner dropped the next one short and I, I pulled it for four and then yes. And then the thing was to get Alex three to his fifty my uh opening partner. So he ended up on sixty six, signed up on 179, and we won won the game atomics. Our first win of the season against second in the league. Beautiful. I think it's fair to say that bowling attack have been weakened by withdrawals for Eid. Yeah. But you know, a league game's a league game's a league game. And did you say the greatest moment of your life? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. To to, to, to do that on... <laughs> on, on your birthday, it was great. And it was, yeah, I was drenched in sweat. Uh, the pictures were great because I was so sweaty. So uh, there's a thing I'd seen of, like, you know, batsmen batting in Sri Lanka or India or the Caribbean where they it they up the helmet and you get this fountain mm. sweat. And I, by two hours from the end, I got that. And that was almost as exciting as getting a century. Where were you? Uh, Essex
2: yeah <laughs> okay fair enough it was very uh, hot I'm sorry <laughs> it was really hot you're right it is hot um, alright look that'll do well done I'm uh, a very impressive feat we discussed actually on the train it was like the question was obviously I just had a baby and Wilson so saying, Barry well, was bored of me going about the century you're going about having a child <laughs> prams getting prams on trains and the discussion came down to what was more chance of happening Barry accidentally having a child or sc- accidentally scoring a century which is Actually, it's more likely you'll have a child, Barry.
3: I would say it isn't at the moment, the way things are going <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> right. Now, bear in mind, yeah. I have faced down mura Litherin. Yes. Uh, see, I can say his name.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I didn't have to use the abbreviation. I faced nine deliveries from mura Litherin, arguably the greatest bowler of all time. He didn't get me out. So I'm sure whoever was chocking the pies at Wilson, I'd be well able for them.
4: <laughs> I, I I, think the hardest thing for you to do would be to be able to bat in the top four or five to have the time to get a century.
3: Well, I would argue that I would tell whoever the captain is or the selector that he, when he's questioning my pedigree, I'd say I once faced the time I think you, I think you failed to understand here.
4: the internal politics of club cricket.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, let's arrange the Guardian Football Weekly Cricket Match will Barry can come in at what's the bet Barry's sort of coming at three or four?
4: No, I think I think he's uh, got open. open, yeah. Okay, because in like your 40 overs isn't that long, true. I'm definitely okay. in by the way. Oh, I'm in, yeah, okay. Who are we going to play? Ourselves, all right. Well, football weekly versus we, we can we play, play the main men, one of, one of my teams because they're, they're not very good,
2: okay. All right, well, let's make this happen. Yeah, okay. Football Weekly Cricket Match, people can come and watch. Yeah. that will be nice. Give some money to charity or just to us. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do for today. Um, Thanks very much for your time, Philippe. Thank you. Thanks, Baz. You're welcome. Thank you, Wilson. Cheers. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by George Cooper with Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanderson.